0: Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name is Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 420, which are all even numbers, as it turns out. Right, sweetie? Mm-hmm. Is zero an even number or is zero even a number? You're a mathematician, aren't you? Uh, yes, on the side. On the side? Yeah. Um, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is... That the best predictor of a child's well being is a parent's self understanding. On today's show, I'm gonna be clip heavy. Um, there's a book that's been out for a few years called Brainstorm, and it's all about the teenage brain, written by a guy named Dan Siegel. Have you ever heard of this guy, sweetheart? I have. Have we um, kind of copied a quote of his and said it over and over again? Yeah,
1: so I guess the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding was from one of dance
0: books. Yes, it is. Um,
1: You know what? I just realized you asked me when we started what we should start with, and we should start with this stuff. With your stuff? Yeah.
0: That's fine. Um, So just to kind of give you uh, some insight. So Dan Siegel has written a lot of books. Mm -hmm. The one I want to focus on today is The Teenage Brain. The reason I want to, and we're going to let you start with your your thing, but just let you guys know what's coming up. Um, We have a lot of listeners from all different ages, all different parenting ages and all that. Um, but I do feel like a lot of our information is de- has been dedicated towards, you know, younger kids because uh, there's a lot of new moms out there that listen. But today we're going to talk about the teenagers because we have one, right?
1: Well, and I think what I'm going to talk about kind of lends to the teenagers, okay, too. Good. Yeah, and we, do, we have two teenagers, sweetheart.
0: Two? Oh, yeah, that one. Forget about her.
1: <laughs> and we have one that's... Uh, She's 10, so yeah. she's getting into the preteen.
0: And actually, uh, uh, Dr. Siegel talks a lot about the adolescent brain, which is 12 to 24. Correct. As it turns out, mm-hmm. according to him, he's just like a big walking brain that walks around. So, um, but first, we have a conference. It is, I don't know, 11 days away?
1: It is so close. 12 days, something like yes, that. Yes, I, yeah.
0: So it's uh, March 2nd and 3rd. We'd love for you to join us. Ticket's still available, but we have a wonderful um, docket. I love using the word docket, sweetheart. We have a wonderful docket, a wonderful schedule of amazing speakers, um, awesome partners, uh, panel discussion with mm-hmm. me, you, John Duffy, and Annie Burnside. Mm-hmm. Um, Milk, singer, songwriter, and inspirational woman, Milk.
1: Mm-hmm. Her real name? Connie Lim.
0: Connie Lim. Uh, some guy named Mike Domish, mm-hmm. who we've had on the podcast many a times, uh, talking about sex, sexuality, yep. consent. Uh huh. Bring Your Teenagers, by the way. And then lastly, some lady by the name of Cheryl Strayed. Yeah. Who's that?
1: Uh, well, she is a writer, um, a fantastic writer, and also a podcast host, mm-hmm. and also has had her book made into a movie, and another book made into a Broadway play, and very inspirational person in my life and many people's lives.
0: And we're going to actually meet her. I know. That's crazy. Cheryl. Good old Cheryl. Um, at the conference, we do a raffle mm-hmm. and I'm stuck on what the raffle prize are going to be. So if anybody out there has an idea for a uh, first year, the big raffle prize was a drone. So I flew this drone all over the conference, the hotel conference room. Last year I was on a hoverboard, mm-hmm. but this year I kind of have a bunch of boring, not fun things like a drone or a hoverboard, like AirPods, which I love, which are really effective and I use them. Um, Why don't
1: we get a Roomba?
0: Uh, what is a roomba?
1: Like it's a vacuum that goes around the place. We can just vacuum up the West End. <laughs> Actually not a bad idea. I know. It could just be going around vacuuming up people's food.
0: Are they expensive?
1: I don't know. They've been around so long, I bet they're not. Like when when they first came out, it was like, you know, high tech robotic technology. And I think now <laughs> just a lot of everybody has I'm, a Roomba. we I'm, don't but I'm
0: pulling it up on Yeah, they're expensive.
1: A lot of people have Post YouTube videos of putting their cat on a
0: Roomba. <laughs> I'm looking at it. It's 300 bucks. Oh, that's
1: expensive. Right. Yeah, yeah. So maybe
0: we'll do that and just have it going around the room. Have it going around the room. Uh, there's one that has Wi-Fi connectivity to it.
1: Okay. Now why we're now we're getting somewhere. Why do you need Wi-Fi
0: for your vacuum? Does it
1: talk to you? Does it tell you this part's clean?
0: I have no idea, but I actually think you have a good idea. Thank you.
1: That just came out of nowhere.
0: Look at you. We should Clean and schedule from anywhere with the iRobot home app.
1: Well, maybe you tell it to clean, (laughs) like vacuum up while I'm gone. We should bring Smokey our rabbit
0: and put her on the Roomba. I want to bring Smokey the rabbit. I know. Hotel probably would say no. Well,
1: I don't think she'd like the Roomba. I think it'd be scary.
0: Most animals are scared of vacuums, right? Yes.
1: Well, they are They move. Like, I, I sent this video to your sister. She said a million people had sent it to her, but it cracked me up. It was uh, cats watching the Olympics. Yeah. And you know the, the snowboard, the Sean White people, the yeah. ones who, like, go way up? Yeah. Like, whenever they would go up in the sky, the cat would claw at the TV <laughs> and try and grab them. You know what I mean? Like Because yeah. it looked like there was, like, something in the air. Right. So it was just, like, this cat grabbing back and forth on the TV. Poor thing. Love it. thinks he's grabbing a mouse, and it's just the
0: TV. I might be buying
1: a Roomba. There you go.
0: Nice job, sweetie. Okay, so I'm going to let you start.
1: Okay, so I want to start, and I want to talk a little bit about Parkland, Florida, um, because I think that um, what happened last week, uh, you know, it, I hate uh, saying, it's just another tragedy and another, 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 again, 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 again. And um, it's uh, it's been insanity for years. Like when I say, okay, this is insane. Now this is insane. I've been saying this is insane, and I think majority of you – have been saying this is insane for a really long time and I'm using that word on purpose. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, I found myself last week, um, just two or three days ago, in the car with my two teenagers and I actually found myself apologizing to them that they have to grow up even thinking about something like this and that they have to do drills. And I apologize not as from a place like, oh, this is my fault personally, but it's a generational- a collective. Apology. Yeah, a collective apology, and we had a really good talk. You know, of course, my oldest was very composed and was like, "Well, mom, you had stuff in your generation that you guys had to worry about too." And she's right in some ways. Every generation does, but this is just something that is beyond. Um, I don't even have words for it. Um, somebody, one of my girlfriends from Chicago, sent me a picture today of a teenager riding the L mm. and she's in her normal like clothes and she's wearing a hat and she um, had a sign around her neck and it, literally like a cardboard sign around her neck and it said, um, it could have been me. Mm. Okay, so the teenagers are now trying to fight this for us. yeah. And the Parkland, Florida teenagers, the, the, the headline today from the kids from that school, they're saying, this will be the last mass shooting ever. We're done with it. So we are forcing our kids to do something that is our job. And I'm saying our collective job. Yep. This is no longer a political conversation. Right. I am. There. This is not about one side or the other. This is not about one issue or the other. Do not, and I'm taking this from Brene Brown, I'm using her language, but I agree with her 100%. Do not allow people to frame this debate for you. You're either... With, you know, you either hate guns or you love guns. It's neither. It is common sense, rational gun laws. Yes. It is not having certain guns created or made that are military style that nobody on the street should be using. Yeah. There is no reason to sell them. Give me a reason besides saying it's my Second Amendment right. Right. Because they, they don't fit together. There is... Um. Go ahead. You were going to say something? Well,
0: um... Yeah, usually you and I are on the same page on this in regards to common sense. Common sense. Um, We're not gun people. We don't have a gun. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not, but we don't. I'm just not
1: Uh, a... There's nothing. It doesn't matter. Like that's not even part of the
0: Usually we come in, we we don't want Zen parenting to be a political thing, nor are we trying to do that here. But this is an exceptional thing that is going on in our world. And we do, Kathy and I do feel the need to... I guess not be as I don't know.
1: Well, my point is is it's not a political thing anymore. Like when we keep framing it like I don't want to be political, but it's not political. Children are dying. Yeah. So take when when the only reason it's political is who are we gonna vote for next time? Yeah. And are you becoming, you know, a, a lot of people I've been seeing have been saying, I'm a one issue voter now. Mm-hmm. And so it's not about who it's not tribalism. Yeah. It's not about who do you side with. And if you're doing that and you're saying it's only about mental illness yeah. or you know mental wellness, yeah. listen, everybody, there I've worked with people who are dealing with mental illness and mental wellness their whole lives. This is is an exception. This is not a those people and us. You, people listening, have probably dealt with depression, anxiety, bipolar, things like that in your family. That doesn't then inherently make you a violent person. Then, on top of that, people are saying, no, it's the family, it's the school's fault, it's the community. That may be true. Those things may have fallen through the cracks. He, in all these situations, all of these school shootings, these are kids that have obviously fallen through the cracks, either in their family or their community or are struggling and are unseen or have been bullied. All those things are true. So here is what I want to say. Decide where you want to put your energy and put it there instead of fighting with people about which one is right, because they're all right all of them, we need common sense gun laws, we need to make sure that we support families, kids, community, schools, and we also need to make sure there are resources for people who are dealing with mental illness. Now, what I have seen over my lifetime is I have been working um, as a therapist since my 20s. -hmm. And I was telling Todd that since I was about 28 years old, I have been seeing the decrease in services for people with mental illness. I have been watching the money and the funding go down, down, down. And maybe there's been some upswings that I haven't noticed where maybe some funding has come back. So for those of you who are like, no, 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 we got this grant, or no, this is good. I may not be in the know about that, but when I was in the hospital system, I watched the stigma increase and the money decrease. So for those, for the people who are like... Well this is a mental, you know, wellness issue. Well then let's get some money back in there. Right. Let's let's decrease the stigma around yeah. being able to ask for help. Let's talk to kids about how they're feeling. We've all had times of mental unwellness. Right. All of us. And yes for some it's chronic and yes for some it's something they've dealt with since birth. I understand, but this is not an us and them. Yeah. We are not like protected by saying it's them because the them could be our next door neighbor.
0: Well, and that was my thing. And I said this to you this morning. Um, I'm uh, just my hardwiring is I'm, I always think things are going to work out. Um, I, I, I'm not an over, you know, I worry about certain things. So that's not true. But like for stuff like, you know, I'm not going to get a into disaster. A, a disaster. Mm-hmm. I'm like the the statistic odds of that happening, you know, whether it be a plane crash or a shooting. You're very rational. I'm, I'm rational, mm-hmm. and I like know that it's not going to happen. But for the first time in my life, I actually kind of observed the world through my daughter's eyes, um, and I'm not getting specific because they didn't share this with me. But like for the first time, I am like, oh my god, there's kids that are truly petrified, afraid, yes, of going to school, yes. And I'm like, like that was my aha moment. Like, oh my God, regardless of whether or not it were to happen here or there or anywhere, it's it's impacting these students right now, regardless of whether or not tragedy happens. You know, God forbid, but I, I guess I just had, sadly, it took me this many times for me to have this aha moment. The I guess epiphany, I'm, just, yeah. I'm just trying to have, I'm just trying to share with the audience that, you know, I'm learning about this and myself and where I stand too. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very saddened and we donated money and we're going to plan to vote for people who believe in some of the things that we believe in. And what we want to do is maybe use this podcast as a vehicle for anybody out there to, Take action, whatever that action resonates and with
1: And for them. those of you listening who are like, oh, Kathy and Todd, you're crazy. Guns, gu- Common sense gun laws won't do anything. Have we, and you may say, oh, but there's laws on the books. But have we tried to alter them? Have we tried something new? Have we put more effort into it? Have we shifted them? Have we changed the language? Have we tried, like, when people say it doesn't work when we haven't done anything, it makes me want to, like, shake. Yeah. Because don't, tell me something doesn't work before we've tried it yeah. and don't say but that gun law is there these one or two or three are there and 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 it's not doing anything well, then maybe we need to do more
0: well and it's 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 what's happening and what's happening right now is that there's a new shooting and this is just like the big, huge news story shootings, as you've said. Yeah,
1: there's been plenty this year.
0: Well, and, you know, you were talking to your class um, about this yeah. and you said, by the way, this is happening in Chicago every day.
1: Right. That And that's the other thing is that I'm, you know, like Todd said, I'm talking to parents and I'm talking to students about this. And I'm very thoughtful about saying, because I live in Chicago, that these big events like this shine a light on- Like the one in Parkland. Like in Parkland, shine a light on things around gun laws or about, um, you know, what students are dealing with or, um, you know, all these other issues we're talking about, mental wellness, you know, community. But in Chicago- these things are happening all the time. Every day. Outside of people's homes, outside of their churches, in their churches, in their schools, outside of their schools, around their schools. And, and I had some students in my class who like said, thank you mm-hmm. like for saying that, because a lot of times we forget that this is not just about these big spotlighted issues. This is happening. And we just keep standing by, and I'm saying collectively we, without any action. And one of the best threads that I saw on Twitter was a woman who said – who started her Twitter – the who started her tweet by saying, you know, I was a part of a tragedy in a school, blah, 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 blah. I think 24 kids were killed, no, nah, nah. And then she went on to say how, you know, how the grieving and how horrible it was and the ripple effect and how it affect, affected the families. And then she does a surprising tweet and said, what we experienced was a bus accident. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking she's talking about a school shooting. Right. She said, what we experienced was a bus accident and you know what we saw? We saw the community and the government gather together and change 29 different policies to make sure it never happened again. And she said, and we as a community felt supported, heard, seen, and that our experience would help others be more safe what these kids are not seeing now in every school shooting not just the kids the parents the adults these are ripple effects communities are being affected by this they don't see anybody doing anything they see a
0: bunch of grown-ups no wonder our kids are jaded they see this happening on the news X amount of times a day or a week or a month and the grown-ups which are our governing body in right. Washington DC and the state of Illinois and whatever state you live in they say nothing'll work nothing's happening right. No, if if I'm, a, you know, we're going to talk about, talk about teenagers here in a second. Like, no wonder I'm jaded. Correct, and no wonder a kid
1: is writing the L with a sign saying, "Could have been me." Yeah. What do you think about that, adults? What? And that's where I'm. I get angry. I get the, you know, my yesterday, my teenager was like soothing me. Because I start, I get angry. I don't know if any of you guys get angry cry where I get so mad that I cry, like not at them, but about this situation. My teenager's like soothing me. I'm like, I should, I just feel like I should be soothing you right now. And she's like, you know, she's fine. But I'm so, I don't, the word tired doesn't sum it up. And, and so here's the thing. I could go on and on but here's the, the main things that I want to you guys to take away from this conversation. Number one, don't let people frame this debate for you. Like I said, I got that for, from Brene Brown's book, Braving the Wilderness. What that means is many things can be true at once. We can focus on common sense good law or gun laws. We can focus on mental wellness and we can focus on community, parenting and schools all at the same time. So for those of you who are like, you know, this is ridiculous that you're looking at this. No, it isn't. We can look at all of them. And we have people and wise people and smart people and people who are willing to take a stand for all those things. So we need them. So quit shutting each other down. Quit going on social media and saying, I need to win with my stats and I'm right. And you don't understand. And we're all right. None of us are fine with this. There's nobody that is supporting that this is happening. So let's all do a piece. Yeah. Let's all instead of getting angry at people who want to do this piece, focus on the piece you're upset about. So figure out what that is, and then do it. If you if you're in a place where you're like, I don't even know what that means, Kathy. I don't even know how to get involved. There are two organizations. Um, one is called Every Town for Gun Safety, mm-hmm. and Todd, the website is
0: everytown.org.
1: So. We I don't know when we joined with them a long time or a while ago, but they are trying to do all these things we're talking about. They're not just focusing on lobbying and government. They're focusing on the big picture. How do we help these communities? How do we support each other? There's so many pieces. So you can either get involved with them, literally, or you can donate, okay? Go on their website. The other organization is called Moms Demand Action Against Gun Violence,
0: um, the website is momsdemandaction.org.
1: So it's something to that effect. Yeah. Now, the good news is these are not separate organizations. They have joined together. They, they, they are separate in the sense they have different names and they have different leaders, but they're completely joined. Yeah. So you're, you can give, give, you can give to both, but if you're giving to one, it's supporting the other. Got it. And what they do, you know, I was telling, um, my girls that I remember and I can't, I, I don't think this is exactly the same thing, but it's one of one of the parallels I could come up with is when we were young, drunk driving didn't have much of a stigma. Mm -hmm. Okay, It, it was like it's hard to believe that, but people would get pulled over and sometimes they'd be like, well, just make it safe home. You know, do you remember that time? I do, I do. And what was happening is a lot of people were dying. Not only were people, you know, driving themselves off the road, but they were killing other people while driving yeah. a car. And I'm And I'm not saying that doesn't happen anymore, but there wasn't a stigma around it before. Yeah. Now there is. And now there's a lot of laws around it. You get, you know, you can get your license taken away for a year the first time. Yeah. You know, there's all these things around it. But you know what one of the huge tipping points was hmm. was mothers against drunk driving. There you go. Moms, mad, it was called M A D D. And they started working saying this is we're done with this. Yeah. There needs to be different laws. There needs to be a stigma. There we need to work on this and it changed things.
0: Well, this reminds me, we we referred to Rob Bell's podcast last week, um, a specific podcast he did, and it's called Seatbelts, um Snowflakes. And snowflakes, and, yeah. And, um, One thing that he said at the beginning of the podcast is like, you know, like, you know, sometimes things are just different. Um, how can I phrase this? In the beginning, he's like, you know, back in the 70s, nobody wore a seatbelt.
1: Right. And we sat in the front seat with our parents uh, with no seatbelt.
0: Exactly. And then um, to think about that now. Right. Like, think about like your six-year-old sits in the front seat with you with no seatbelt. It like, would be negligent. Not, it's just counterintuitive to right. everything. So like... I feel like the gun situation is going to be like the fact that a 21 year old kid can go in and buy an AR-15 right now. He was 19. Right. In Florida, I think it was 18 With regardless of the specifics. The fact that somebody can go in right now and buy a military style rifle, I hope that in sooner rather than later, but I hope we look back on this and we're the same thing about the seatbelts. Like what? Really? Right. Right. You know what I mean. Right. So, anyways, like, how that, is that possible? How? How did we allow that?
1: And and will we look back on the time we wasted arguing about it yeah. and about who's right and which political party aligned with who? And and these are real things we have to look at. I'm not saying that when I say it's not political, it doesn't mean that you don't choose who you're going to vote for. Right what i mean that 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 isn't affected but what i mean is i'm tired of this being a tribalism thing mm-hmm. i think as what the statistics say is it's something like 82 or 85% of gun owners are totally for common sense gun laws it yeah. might even be higher than that yeah. and so we're being fed not untruths we're being put, pitted against each other when really we're all on the same page yeah. and and so again the the things that i want to say You know, frame your debate in a way where we can all be heard and choose what you want to focus on and work on it. And if you're like, you know, if you've given money to these organizations or you've, you know, attended a meeting or you've, you know, done something through their website and you're like, I want to do more in your own home. You know, remember what Mother Teresa said, you know, if you really want to change the world, go home and love your family, right? Talk to your kids about how they're feeling. Talk to your kids about their experiences, um, allow them to have a space and this Todd is going to get into this. This is why I thought it, it worked mm. well with what you were going to talk about. When your teenagers are struggling, be there for them rather than being their adversarial opponent. Yeah, You know, be, we, kids need us so badly not to hold their hand through everything, but to be their, um, their, their support system, yeah. to be the one who, who has their back. And so often, we lose track of what our job is, or I don't even like the word job, what our role is in their life,
0: responsibility,
1: responsibility and we become the person that they don't want to be around at all. Mm-hmm. We become the person that they're rallying against. And you may say, oh, rebelling's normal. Well, of course, in some ways, you know, like, of course, they want to make their own life and, and you know, and have some space, but we can actually allow for that. Yeah. We don't have to fight against it. So that's just what I wanted to say is I, I feel uh, a collective pain. Um, I know many of you do. And I also feel similar to me to a tipping point. I kept saying to Todd two days ago, this has got to be a tipping point. This has got... And does that mean everything's going to be fine and we're never going to have another tragedy? I don't think I can say that. What I'm saying is I think that collectively we are saying enough, and the teenagers are saying enough, Mm -hmm. and the kids are saying, if you're not going to take care of us, we're going to take care of us, which makes my heart hurt that they don't believe adults are taking care of us, of them. So um, I, I love you all, and I... I hope you all feel empowered rather than afraid. Yeah. I hope that because your fear will keep you from doing anything productive, use the anger not to channel it at people, but to channel it through good work.
0: Well, and stoke your fire, get your energy going. Be like, a force for it. good. Right.
1: Yes, this is our. That's the title of our conference: Be a force for good. Don't go online and fight about every, you know, fight with everybody about why this is happening. And you're right in your stats. Go do something that helps and supports. And if you're like, I, I'm not quite sure how, do it in your own home. Mm-hmm. Do it with your partner. Do this with your kids. And. That's all I have to say about that. Thank you,
0: sweetie. You're welcome. You sounded like Forrest Gump now.
1: That's what I was saying.
0: That's all i say about that. He's one of my heroes. I know. Um, great man. So I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the teenage brain, but first I want to say thank you to two of our partners. The first one is Kind Snacks. Have you ever had a Kind Snacks?
1: I have. There's actually a wrapper right in front of me. I know.
0: I ate that one yesterday. That's the blueberry one. So uh, Kind Snacks, they're snack bars, but they're healthy. Uh, they're made with ingredients you can recognize and pronounce. We They use h- high-quality nutrient dense whole ingredients like whole nuts and whole grains. Gluten-free, low sodium, no sugar alcohols made without genetically engineered students. What I love most about Kind is that they founded a not-for-profit company in 2004 always striving to balance commercial success with social impact. There you go. Which is why we are big fans of Kind. So they uh, Kind Foundation supports causes all over the world. So here's the deal. Uh, We would love for you guys to try Kind Snacks and this is what you need to do. Go to KindSnacks.com slash Zen. You'll get 10 free bars. All you got to do is pay shipping and then you will get entered into the Kind Snacks Club where you receive monthly snacks at a discount and get members only bonuses. KindSnacks.com slash on. And our second partner is Health IQ. And they are a life insurance company. They help health conscious people like runners, cyclists, yogis, vegan vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. And I qualified not because I'm a runner, because I don't run. I'm not a cyclist. I am a yogi though. Yeah. Um, And I'm not a vegan or vegetarian, but I'm a pescatarian. Correct. Are you a pescatarian? Uh Uh-huh. Yes, you are. Um, So it's kind of like how when you uh, save money uh, for car insurance because you have a good driving record, it's the same thing with this life insurance. So here's what you need to do. Go to uh, healthiq.com slash zen and um, you will get um, a free quote today and mention the promo code zen. So... um, we are going to save, I am going to save about $600 per year on my premiums because I went through the blood work and all the checking and I did a questionnaire that um, satisfied their requirements. So if you're into saving money and having good life insurance for your family, that's a good way to do it. So, all right, Dan Siegel. We talked a little bit about him. Like I said, we're going to be clip heavy. All I'm going to do is play certain clips and then I want to get your two cents, my darling. Okay. Okay. Um, the name of the book, it's been out a few years, called Brainstorm The Power and Purpose of the Teenage Brain. And I want to find out. So,
1: why has this come into your world? Because lately? I'm a 14 been- year
0: old and I need to start understanding the teenage brain a little bit more. So,
1: you, because like you said, this book has been out a while. So, you've just been inspired because of your own personal experience?
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Um, so, and the thing about uh, his book is a lot of people are like, oh, teenagers is because of raging hormones and all these other things when he's a, he's a neuroscientist, neuro or
1: neuro er, neuroscientist. He yeah. wrote
0: a book I think called interpersonal neurobiology. neurobiology. You read <laughs> that, didn't you? One of my favorites. Yes. Isn't that really dense though?
1: Oh, for sure. And I honestly, I didn't read every word. Yeah. I mean, I skipped to the parts I loved, interpersonal neurobiology.
0: So I just wanna play a few clips and then I wanna get Kathy's uh, two cents, but it's about understanding why our teenagers do what they do on a consistent basis. So, um, and in this uh, specific clip, he talks about risk-taking behaviors, okay? So this is just under two minutes. So here we go, Dan Siegel.
2: One of the super new things is something you have no idea what the outcomes are. So it's risk, Risk risk-taking behaviors, pushing boundaries. These are all ways you do new things. So the the issue here is there's a huge downside, which is risk-taking behaviors. What's the upside? The upside is this is a brain change in the dopamine system that gets you ready to leave home. If you didn't have any change in your brain to get you ready to take a risk, you'd never leave the house. And there's a quote I have in the book from a colleague of mine, Barbara, (laughs) Natterson Horowitz, and she and her colleague wrote wrote a book called Zubiquity. And they looked at all mammalian species and they found in adolescents, adolescents take risks across the mammalian species. Why? Because you gotta have something going on in your brain to get you ready to go court danger. And even certain cheetahs, you know what they do? Or is it jaguars? Anyway, one of the felines, what they do is they go and walk their way right up to the face of a lion and smell it. Now why would they do that? So they can see what is gonna come try to eat them. And you say that doesn't make any sense but it actually makes a lot of sense. Because then they're priming their brain to smell what it's like and they're not gonna be surprised. They literally go up to danger and see what it's like. So we can learn from that. What Barbara Natterson says in the book is the only thing more dangerous about taking risks like that is not taking them. It prepares yourself. So as parents, of course, we want to modify that. And I'll tell you how we can do that in just a moment.
0: So I thought that was powerful Yeah, because I, I was a teenager. I took stupid risks Me too. and it's just the understanding of the brain chemistry that I don't pretend to understand the way Dr. Siegel does, but this is what's supposed to happen. Correct. And I think us parents, we scratch our heads saying, why would, you know, a jaguar walk right up to the mouth of a lion that could eat it any time? The fact that nature does this too makes me think like, you know, when our kids do risk behavior, that it's them kind of, testing their boundaries and they're
1: not testing our boundaries to be evil to us like we take everything so personally mm-hmm. and what they're doing is their brain is changing in such a way that they feel the need to expand their boundaries because they're growing yeah and what parents will say back of course is well you know the jaguar going up to the lion is kind of like a, a kid driving without a license right. or a kid drinking and driving or trying a drug yeah. or all the things we worry about. And you're right. It's it's scary. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying, you know, telling oh, well, them to do it and patting them on the back for it.
0: No, we're not saying that at all. No. But what we are saying... Is
1: that when it it happens, when it happens, (laughs) there is a, rather than a, I am offended by your behavior. Who are you? It is a, tell me what's happening. Let's talk this through and let's find out what you learned from it. Not in a like, and again, you don't even have to use the words I'm, I'm using because this is less about how we talk to our kids and more about how we understand our kids and when, and, and that, their risk-taking behavior or they're trying to move out of the box or try something new is essential for their development.
0: Well, And, and I, that's so hard. And I have a very kind of mild story of that. One of my two teenagers... Um, was giving me a real hard time about what time it was. It was time to go to bed. Like I know that this is kind of small, but just use it as a metaphor in your own world. Okay. And she's usually a good listener, but this time she was digging her heels in, and we were having an argument on whether or not it was bedtime and all that. And you know, I, I was digging my heels in. She was digging her heels in. And then I just kind of surrendered, and I went upstairs, and I didn't like. I didn't. I didn't force her. Um, and she kind of won. So in that moment... There, there's more to that story. Will you fill it in?
1: Yeah. So before you arrived on the scene, there was a conversation that the three of us were having, myself and my two teenagers, about something they were struggling with. Mm-hmm. And in within the conversation, I think the one that you're referring to felt is is as if she had had a loss mm-hmm. because there was something pointed out and recognized that was uncomfortable. Yeah. And even though it wasn't literally a loss, it wasn't like this kid won, this kid lost. There was a feeling of, uh, there was a power that was, okay. And she did great in the conversation, but you're kind of left feeling a little vulnerable, right? So then when you came in and it was time to go to bed and you you were just kind of like five minutes or whatever, and she said 30 minutes and then she said 20 minutes and then she said 15 and I said to you, at some point when she was around seven mm-hmm. minutes, I remember exa- I was sitting at the table. I looked at you and I said, she just needs a win. Mm-hmm. It, it Because really, this doesn't matter. Right. Five. So you're going to go to bed at 10.05 instead of 10? It doesn't matter. Right. And and I didn't say to Todd, she just needs a win. Fight with her. Let her, let her have... Some power back. Right.
0: But I was also identifying with my own ego in that time. And I didn't want to lose the battle. And I didn't say, fine, you win. I just literally just walked upstairs. It happened in the basement. Yeah, you just... Now, what was interesting about the story is she did feel a little... Like, it's not typical behavior for her. So she felt bad. She felt bad. And she's like, Dad, I really feel bad about our argument or whatever it was. And I said to her, because I just watched Dr. Siegel on YouTube... And I said, listen, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Like you're testing your boundaries and you're like, you're you're standing up for what you believe. She didn't believe she had to go to bed at 10 o'clock. So I didn't say you're forgiven. I didn't say you need to be forgiven. I didn't say um, I was you wrong. win. I right. didn't say I was wrong. I'm like, this is what's supposed to happen. Right. And I just want to thank Dr. Siegel for like, he this information helped kind of deflate the air out of mm-hmm. my balloon. Do you know right. what I mean?
1: Oh, for sure. And we had a similar conversation. It's too long of a story. And there's too many personal, there's too many people I know involved in it. So I can't use names. But there was something that happened at my daughter's school about a week ago. And it was something that was kind of humiliating to an adult. Mm -hmm. And my daughters were saying, oh, yeah, well, I would have done that, too and i was saying you you would have humiliated an adult mm-hmm. and they're like well that's not why we would have done it but we would have done the same thing because you got to stand up for yourself and blah 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 and we ended up having a really good discussion about how to stand up for yourself and when to stand up for yourself and i was able to kind of share you can stand up for yourself without humiliating other people right. now in the end they didn't agree with me yeah but the conversation lent well to me offering something that I thought was part of our value system. right, And then, but not walking away, feeling as if I had convinced them to my side right. because they still felt justified. That's their risk-taking behavior. I'm willing to do that to get myself heard.
0: Well, and another thing I wanna say, and then we'll play this next clip, is um, a lot of the characteristics that drive us crazy about our kids, will end up serving them. The reason we don't like it in the moment is because it doesn't fit our agenda. It doesn't fit what we think that they should be saying or doing. But yeah, like there's, you know, if you have a rebel kid, call it a rebel kid, that, I don't want to squash that out of her. You know what I mean? Like that will, she's going to stand up and fight, you know, depending on what language you want to use for whatever that she seems just and when, uh, whether she's 20, 30, or 40, when she's growing up or when she's an adult. Like, I don't want to squash that out of her.
1: Correct. The, the reason that I'm not fully agreeing with the sentence is because it's way too multi layered to say it that way. What I mean by that is that our kids have their innate leadership you know, the innate leadership skills. And then there's also the relationship that they have with us and the world. And all of those things affect how they're going to respond. Because a lot of times our kids really aren't that rebellious, but they're so pissed at us for not listening to them and not understanding them that they rebel. When that's not innately who they are, it is them saying, listen to me, see me. So, you know, I don't believe, I, and then there are some kids that, that even are who are being heard, who still need to test limits. Right. Like,
0: but, you're, but, but what we're saying is listen to your kids. Listen to
1: your kid and also understand how multi-layered it is, that it is not your kid as an isolated individual. They are being affected by their friends, by social media, by you, mm-hmm. by the world. And that is why you and I always talk about what, because there's not a lot of things we can be certain about, right? Yeah. I'm certain about love. Yeah. And then I'm certain about connection. That's really all I'm certain about. So if any of you guys were like what theory do you believe in Kathy, whatever? Love and connection. Mm. That's all I got. So with connection with our kid is when they're struggling with us, with an, another authority figure, with their their sibling, their a boyfriend or girlfriend that they have, friendships, we stay connected to them and 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 support them through it rather than get offended mm-hmm. by their behavior and decide we're going to shun them too. yeah because that's what we do is we end up being 13 year olds with our 13 year old. Right. And what they need is someone to show them how to do it. not in a lecturing way, but in a role modeling way. When I get angry, here's uh, you know, my youngest daughter came home a, a while ago, I was actually three or four days ago. Something happened at school with her and she came home and was, she walked in the door. The first thing she said to me is, I'm bored. Do do you remember this? Mm -mm. Like she just walked in the door. I'm like, okay, you know, it's all right. I'm bored. I'm bored. And right then I knew, first of all, she's not bored. Second of all, that something emotional is
0: going on. Third
1: of all, it has nothing to do with me. Mm. A lot of us will jump to, well, you shouldn't be bored or, well, then you should be reading or we get offended. Very easily. And- the, the end of the story is, because I'll skip over what's personal for her, is she was so angry about something that happened
0: mm. at school. Usually when your kids are driving you a little batty, um, it's, you know, like your example is the on-board thing. It's usually not what they're saying it Correct. is.
1: It's like, what, it, what did Rob say last year? He said, if your kids... Are you know, um, driving you crazy? If your kids
0: are making you miserable, if they're making
1: you miserable it's because, it's because they're, they're feeling
0: miser- miserable, miserable.
1: Not, and not necessarily because of you. So, don't get offended by that statement. Well,
0: but that's the other thing. Our kids will, um, lash out at, at us. us because they yes. know that. Hopefully they know that we're yes. going to love them through their ugliness. Correct. Whereas they'll put on this smile for the next door neighbor Correct. or for their teacher or, for or, their, or friends. their friends. Yeah. So anyways. Yeah.
1: I think all children and, and not just my own, but the children I've worked with, they will suck it up, suck it up, suck it up so much with their peers mm-hmm. because they have to, and their teachers, and they then have they no got choice. a choice. And then
0: they got to vomit.
1: And then they got to vomit yeah. and they vomit on the people they love the
0: most. That's so right. go ahead. There's your clip. There's your, there's your highlight. <laughs> kids are going to vomit on us. Um, Second clip, uh, and this one is regarding hyper-rational thinking.
2: But we need to understand that. The second way, besides dopamine by itself, that gets you to try new things, is something that has a weird name, and I decided just to put the weird scientific name in it so you get a feeling for it, but it's called hyper-rational thinking. The cortex changes in such a way that it works with the limbic area that's weighing the pros and cons and basically what it does is it says the pros are really great and I really really care about them, the good things about something like the excitement of going up to a lion and smelling them, wouldn't that be cool? and what's the con of that? the lion might eat me okay but if you're gonna really test out danger your limbic area's gotta say I think it's really exciting to go up to something that could eat me that's really cool you know And it's very unlikely, if those lines that say they've already just eaten something, that they're going to eat me. So the limbic area has this imbalance that's called hyper-rational thinking. You rationally say, I love the pros, and you don't really care about the cons.
0: See, that's just another, you know, it's kind of similar to the last clip, but it is, you know, us parents are like, what were you thinking? Their brains are wired to have an imbalance of rational thought.
1: An imbalance. And don't, and again, Todd and I always talk about amnesia. Don't you guys remember thinking (laughs) that dangerous things were cool? Yes. Like, why was I watching a movie called Faces of Death? You know, why was I jumping on my next door neighbor's skateboard when I had never been on one before? Mm -hmm. Why was I flying down a street that had a, you know, like a, what's an, an, decline to it, is that the right word, incline, decline, on my roller skates going as fast as I can, not knowing how I was going to stop. Why did we do that? And again, I'm not saying I was smart, and I'm just giving you guys the ones that are appropriate for the show. Yeah, there's
0: plenty more. (laughs) There's
1: plenty more in there. And our brains were different. And what do our kids need after they go down roller skates down a hill where they, they fall and they hurt themselves? Yes, they need to hear from us. That could have really been. That could have been worse than it was, and we need to say, "Oh my goodness!" And we need to, you know, make it a big deal. But then we also need to say, "How can I support you? What mm. do you need? Are you okay? You know, what have you learned from that experience?" Rather than, "I can't believe you would do that to me." Yeah, we we take things personally. Yeah, and 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 you know what, Todd? There's just no there's no way we so like clean lines and black and white thinking where we're like, I'm going to do this and it'll keep my kids safe. And there's a choice we make when we have children and we bring human beings into the world where we can't ever be like, okay, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Or, okay, we got through that, therefore everything is now going to be okay and safe.
0: Even though our brain wants us to wants to be convinced of that fact
1: and the way that we convince ourselves of that fact is we do things like yell at our kids or lecture them or take away things and restrict them and and be offended by their behavior and it's all coming from a place of love that shows up as fear that shows up as disconnection right It's all love I know that for all of you guys listening who are like, oh all these things you're saying I'm doing and I it, it, this is not a guilt trip you're you love your kids. But the, what Todd is sharing, that Dr. Siegel is sharing, is that if you understand them better- Yes, and
0: this is all about empathy.
1: Then maybe you can approach their non-safe, risky behavior in a way that they can then hear you. And then instead of continuing to do it just behind your back, they actually learn, I don't think this is a good choice. Yeah. And if I were to choose something poor, I know I could call my mom yeah. or my dad.
0: You ready for the last one? Okay. This is my favorite one.
2: How many people do you know, or maybe even yourself, who've lost some, if not most, of those four pillars of the essence of adolescence?
0: Real quick, the four pillars that he's talking about is an emotional spark, social engagement, novelty, seeking, and then lastly, creative exploration. Those are the four pillars of the teenage brain. Okay. Okay? So those that's what he's referring to.
2: How many adults have lost the passion of what it means to be alive, that emotional spark? So when you wake up in the morning, you're really excited to be there, excited to be in life. The social engagement, where you have friends and a social network that f- makes you feel connected to a larger whole, a sense of a we. To novelty, where you do things in different ways, where literally the ordinary becomes extraordinary. You take that kind of art form of life and you take it seriously. And creative explorations where you're trying out new things. I know a lot of adults I know, both in my practice and in my personal life, have lost a lot of these things. And what I began to wonder when I was putting this book together, and the essence became clear from the brain science, I started thinking, oh my gosh. I wonder if some adults get really irritated with adolescence. Why?
0: Why, sweetie?
1: Because they don't have what their teenagers have anymore, and they're envious.
2: They're jealous. They're being reminded of what they lost. And then, when I look to the neuroplasticity literature, the literature shows how you keep your brain growing throughout the lifespan. If you had to pick the top four things to keep your brain young across your whole lifespan, it would be living with passion, the emotional spark, having relationships that are supportive, social engagement, trying things in new ways, novelty seeking, and creatively exploring things with your mind, creative exploration. Those would be the four things you would need. So I thought, oh my gosh, this cultural conversational switch, this trying to shape cultural evolution in a positive way, that all of you can participate in as cultural evolutionists, we could actually turn this around. So instead of whatever small or large percentage of adults who've lost these things, who are angry at the adolescents because they're reminding them of that which they've lost, think about if we can tell the adults, you too can reclaim your essence, your emotional spark, social engagement, novelty seeking, and creative explorations. Think about what that would be like if we change the whole cultural conversation of that beginning in homes having people work on secure attachment which promotes this integration and then letting people really reinvent themselves in a way and i say this in the book about my
0: there you go yeah i mean I've done 400 podcasts on that
1: i know that you have to have your own life and and you know there's a million different ways to say that but you have to have your own spark of life if you, to stay connected to your kids, to stay connected to your partner, to stay connected to your friends. I mean, you can say, well, I I don't, and I still have all those things. Yeah. But how, how's it going?
0: So whenever I, uh, I tell parents a lot when I'm lucky enough to be in front of them, uh, I say, your kids are your teachers. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like they're, 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 they get so excited about like things that us old people are like, oh well, why is that so exciting? Right. Like we're jealous of them. Or as Ellie she, Sheedy likes to say,
2: when you grow
1: up, your heart dies.
0: That's pretty much the sum of what Dr. Siegel just and said. And
1: it doesn't have to. And it though. doesn't have like, to. It, when she says that, that is what in The Breakfast Club, all of the parents of those kids had demonstrated to them. Yep. Is it really true and essential and necessary and absolute? No. Of course your heart doesn't have to die. And of course it's not really dying. What happens is we get numbed
0: out. So this is what you need to do. Like, great, wonderful awareness, Todd and Kathy. What do you do? Find the people in your life that have that emotional spark, that creativity, the novelty seeking, and just surround yourself with those people. We, we get bogged down, you know, we're, we're um, relational species and we kind of, we either rise up to or down to whomever is around us.
1: And, you know, just be, Todd's 100% right. Be around people like that so they inspire you and just do it in your own life. Like, I'll give you a perfect example that kind of made me smile. So I was listening to an Alec Baldwin podcast. He was um, uh, interviewing Jan Wenner, who started Rolling Stone magazine. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that Jan said was, you know, everybody, no matter who you are, your favorite music is gonna be from the time you're 18 to 22. Mm. Now, I disagreed with him on that. I would say for me, it was the time I was like 12, 22. Like music for me started a lot earlier where I can go, and I think it did for a lot of people. I a heard lot that of part of the
0: interview because my two favorite bands, Pumpkins and the Doors, that's exactly, exactly when, when I started they, listening to them.
1: And they'll always be your favorite, right? Yeah. And part of that is brain development. Part of that is we had the time mm-hmm. and we had the lust for life then. So the music became so important to us. Right. Now here's what's interesting though. I will never be able to recapture what music was for me at that time. And I'm and again I'm disagreeing with Jan. I'm saying from the time I was in 7th grade yeah. to college music was my life and I could have told you anything about it. Yep. I am not that person anymore and I I think I've told the story on the show before but it's funny I was at a um I was at a wedding. I had had JC about 6 months before so I was still nursing and I was so uncomfortable in my body still, and we we're at this wedding, and I was sitting down, and all of a sudden a song came on, and everyone in the it, you know at the reception started dancing, and I didn't know what the song was, and I turned to the guy sitting next to me, and I go, "What is this song?" and they go, "It's Hey Yeah by Outkast. It's the number one song," and I started to sob, <laughs> and I'm like, "I don't even know what this song is." <laughs> like it was a I had realized how much my life had changed. Now, what's interesting, though, is to go back to that creative spark, music is still really important to me. Yeah. I'm never going to know it the way I did then. And my girls know more than I do now. But I love music and I love to listen to pop music. And I I know the words to pop songs just like my girls do. And that's normal to them. They don't think I'm trying to be like them. Right. They've grown up with me doing that. And that is me. I'm not doing it for them. I'm not doing it to demonstrate anything to anybody. That's just me. Music helps me stay who I am. Yeah. If I were to be like, you know, well I used to love music, but I'm just not going to listen to it anymore. That would be losing such a big part of who I am. Well,
0: it's funny. Dr. Siegel talks about, I think this was in a different book, but obviously he talks about the neuroplasticity of the brain, which is basically there's no such thing as old dog new no, tricks. No, your like, brain
1: is always growing. And changing.
0: in the book, he had, he had um, like an 89-year-old man in therapy who had been dealing with significant issues throughout his life. And at 89 or 90, he turned it around.
1: Of course. There, We have stories – Todd, I'm dealing with some of these stories in my own head right now about, you know, if if this lasts for this long, then it'll be this kind of problem or my brain won't be able to – like, we make up crap all the time. And some of it may be based on research we used to hear or mm-hmm. something that someone said to us. Like, really – The, you know, you and I were just discussing this sometimes when we're going through a story in our head, like I'll never be able to find music I like again, or I'll never be able to, you know, have the spark. We really need to use Byron Katie's, you know, the The work work, where the first question is, is that true?
0: And then what's the second question? Are you absolutely
1: absolutely certain that's true? And then if you, you know, after that, it's how do you feel Mm -hmm. when you think that thought? Mm
0: -hmm. And then the last one, who would you be? Who would
1: you be without that thought? And then the very last one is then turn it around, which is say a sentence now to yourself that does serve you. And that, that work, she calls it the work for a reason, because you are changing the neuroplasticity of your brain. You are changing the way you think. I'm sure Byron Katie and Daniel Siegel have great talks. I'm sure they do. I don't know for sure that they're friends, yeah. but I'm sure in they've run into each other in certain circles because hers is framed a lot in spirituality. Mm-hmm. His in it's, neuroscience. It's not, that's what I love. But they're exactly the same.
0: I know, and that's what I love because we talk about these things because it feels right to us, but there's some smart dudes like Dan Siegel and smart ladies who have studied the science of Like Carol of this. Dweck and Mindset yes.
1: and this Sean Achor. This is no Agor. longer
0: as we've said a million times, this is not just do it because it feels right. If you are, if you live in that side of the brain where you need data and information to back up what it is that you believe in, it's there. Correct. It's available. Yeah. So, all right, um, parting thoughts. Uh, we have something called Team Zen. Last week we talked, um, the three issues that came up, is one of our Team Zen people uh, ha- was having a hard time uh, with a daughter who was challenged by regulating her emotions and only chooses to let things out during bedtime.
1: And you know what, that ended up... Uh, if it's a discussion I'm thinking about, we ended up having a really deep, meaningful discussion where a lot of people felt really validated. Yes. After talking about, like, you know, when our children feel anxiety, mm-hmm. and we think we're the only ones yep. having that experience and with everybody's our child, like and their everyone name. on Team Zen was like, uh, "Me too." It was really meaningful, and, and you know, that's all we're looking for. You guys is common humanity. I mean, if the the key to, you, I mean, you don't have to do Team Zen. You can have your own group. You can have your you know own group of friends where you talk about this but why we created it yep. was because the common humanity part helps with self compassion like once you understand you are not the only one and that other people have good advice or support or just understanding it decreases that that fear that we feel
0: yeah Um, So if you're interested in Team Zen, go to our website, ZenParentingRadio.com. I'm hosting a retreat, March 16th through the 18th, a men's retreat. Uh, I think we have one spot left. So if you're interested, shoot me an email at Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. We did get two iTunes reviews. You want to hear them, sweetie? Sure. Uh, Let me see if I can find it here. Someone who shares our desire for mental and emotional well-being for our kids. A breath of parenting, fresh air, and a place we feel understood. That was from um, Diana Pants. Thanks, Diana. Sweetie, it's Diana Pants. Right, well. Uh, The other one is from Marianne62. She calls it aha moments, and she writes a paragraph that I'm not going to read. But thank you to these two amazing people who are nice enough to write a review on our thing. And then I am also a life coach for guys. So if there's any guys out there that are working on relationships with uh, self, wife, kids, boss, coworker, uh, go to toddadamscoaching.com. What else you got? You got anything else? I
1: just say get your tickets for the conference and get there because you don't want to miss it. And you're going to be with a lot of like-minded people. And we're going to all talk about these kind of things. And you're going to hear from some of the wisest people I've ever met. And why would you miss such a thing? Why would you miss such a thing?
0: Well, I would say don't be a schlep rock. Right. Buy your uh, tickets to the conference.
1: Zenparentingradio.com or zenparentingconference.com. And we would love to see you.
0: It's going to be off the hook.
1: And it's going to be on point, as my college students say. Uh,
0: The main tagline is a force for good. The second one is going to be off the hook, sweetie. And then on point. On point. Right. Off the hook, on point. Right. All right. Uh, Adios, everybody. Keep trucking. Have a good week.
1: Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you and we hope you'll join us next time.
0: If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also tell a friend about our show. Are you a force for good? If so, then get your tickets now for the Zen Parenting Conference, March 2nd and 3rd, 2018 with Cheryl Strayed, Milk, and Mike Domish. When purchasing your tickets, consider becoming a Zen friend for our conference scholarship program. Let's make sure anyone who wants to attend can be there. Come see us. We look forward to having everyone in Chicago.
1: Check out all of our live events at zenparentingradio.com. You can also find our virtual community of listeners that we call Team Zen. You can find books and podcasts that we recommend and so many other opportunities and resources. Go to zenparentingradio.com.
0: If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or at Amazon. And just so you know, I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys on the phone, Skype, or in person. Contact me to uncover the subtle shifts that will change your life. First appointment's free. If you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out my men's group, thetribemensgroup.com.
1: If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link found on our homepage under Support Us. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon.
0: And I want to give special thanks to two of our founding partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, and they can be found at ChiroTree.com, and Avid, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, and that's avidco.net. They've been with us since the beginning. And to all of you, thanks for your love and support. Keep on trucking.